0: Hello everyone and welcome to another new episode of the Focus Point Podcast. I'm glad you decided to give this a listen. I hope that whenever you're listening to this, morning, noon, night, while you're driving, whatever, that this finds you well and that you're having a blessed day. I hope that this offers some encouragement to you and some blessing to you in your life. Please share this with your family and your friends and you can always find out more information at the Point of Focus We are continuing on in our series. This is episode 5 in Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we are just kind of going through this book of the same name by Pastor Louis Giglio of Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm just excited to continue this series and keep looking through some different ways the enemy can take a seat at our table. Over the last several weeks, we've just looked at like an introduction to the whole thing and how the enemy tries to get our seat at the table with the Good Shepherd. It's only a table for two. That's what we said in the first week. And in that first episode, we talked about how it's just a table for two. A table that the Good Shepherd has prepared for us but he's prepared it in the presence of our enemies and that they that they surround us and they are always trying to get a seat at the table. Then in episode two, we looked at the overview of Psalm 23 and we kind of spent that episode going through Psalm 23. And then in episode three, we talked about how quickly the seat can be taken. We talked about how... When friends or family or even just acquaintances, they see us in public or they see us at a sporting event or a restaurant and how quickly, especially if we don't see it coming, the seat can be swiped. And we kind of use the idea that when somebody sees us in public, a friend, like I said, a family or acquaintance, and they just kind of come up beside us. And before you know it, they've already sat down and how the enemy can do the same thing. He can kind of maybe start... Chattering about, and then just kind of before we know it, he's sitting at the table, he's drinking the water, and eating the cake, and all of that. Then last week, we talked about five lies that the devil can use, the enemy uses against us. And we chatted through those, and there's more than five, believe me. there. But we just used the ones outlined in the book, and we just talked about those. And then... We used um, Genesis 3 and how it all just kind of started with a lie. The, The idea of a lie against God's character. Because at further examination, and maybe you can agree, that the enemy didn't say anything that wasn't true. He just brought into question God's character. And the things that the enemy said would happen didn't happen. They didn't die right away. They were going to be subject to death, but they would know what God knew and that's not what God wanted. And so the devil twisted it up and made it look like they were being kept from knowing stuff by God and that God was keeping secrets. And so today we're continuing on episode five, um... With some things that the devil might try to entice us with. The lures, if you will, to get us to leave our seat, to go experience some things elsewhere. So, when you go fishing, right, you have one goal in mind, and that's to catch fish. Well, you hope to catch fish, right? The reason why you drive to the lake with all your fishing gear is to catch fish, the reason why you go all through all that trouble of hooking up the boat and to the truck and taking it out to the lake to catch fish. You take the boat into the water, you get everything organized, make yourself comfortable, and you cast your line out. Of course, there's attaching the, the lure and the hook and, like, and, and, and the, and the worm or whatever you're using to attract the fish. But it's really not what's on the hook, it's the lure, that is attractive. It's bright and it's shiny. And that's what you, you do. You don't go out there and just kind of make yourself comfortable, cast your line out, and hope the fish will jump on. That's not the way you do it. You don't do that. You, like I said, you choose the the right area, the right spot. You make sure you're calm, you make sure you're quiet. You all of these things, right, that you do. To ensure that the fish will come around. You want to make sure everything is right. Make sure the condition is all right. And, and, And the lure, like I said, is the thing that ultimately attracts the fish. For Adam and Eve, it was the apple that the enemy surrounded his thing with. But in my description of fishing, and maybe you've been a part of that, It's exactly what the enemy does. He's quiet. He's sneaky. He's trying to figure out how he can lure us in to catch us. Because that's what happens as the fish swimming. He's looking at the bright, shiny lure and all of that. And next thing you know, he's on the hook. The enemy, as I said, does the same thing. He uses bright, shiny things to get our attention... He uses lies and twisted words to get our attention away from the Good Shepherd. He wants to to hook us and drag us away. The enemy doesn't want us to trust the table or the Good Shepherd. He doesn't want us to trust this whole thing set up. He wants us to have disbelief in the fact that what's at the table is good. What's at the table is best for us. He wants to lure us to a place that he says is better, but it's not. Where he wants to take us will only destroy us. The enemy wants us running on a hamster wheel. The enemy wants us to... Have you ever seen a hamster run on a wheel? Like, to me, I I know it's exercise. And that's the way that they, you know, keep fit for a hamster or a guinea pig or any other kind of animal that you would put in in a tank kind of setting. And... With with looking at them, though, they just run, 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 run. And it just seems like it's pointless. They're not going anywhere. And they're not. But for them, it's exercise. And I get that. But when you look at it, through the way of what the devil might use and the enemy might use the fact that we get on that hamster wheel and we run 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 run. and I've been in pet stores and I've had uh, guinea pigs before and sometimes the hamster wheel gets going faster than the hamster or they get tired or whatever and they kind of stop running but the hamster wheel doesn't stop and they just kind of ride the thing around and around and around and it's kind of humorous to watch but when you think about it that's kind of what happens to us we get on that hamster wheel running for all we're worth and eventually it gets away from us and we fly off and that's what the enemy wants The enemy doesn't want us, as Psalm 23 says, to lie down in green pastures. He wants us tired and worn out. He wants us to know that we can be doing all of this stuff. He doesn't want us to rest. He wants us to be tired and worn out because we are more likely to fall into his lies and his schemes. And that's when he tends to attack. He tends to attack us when we're tired and when we're worn out, when we're more susceptible to the fact that we can't really defend ourselves. Especially when we're out on the hamster wheel or we're away from the table of the good shepherd. We're out aimlessly wandering the field because the devil has drugged us out there. And that's what he wants. And we can see this in... A story from Jesus' life. After Jesus was baptized, he was taken out to the wilderness by the Spirit. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil came to him during that time of weakness and started talking to him. The enemy was trying to get a seat at Jesus' table. The temptation of Jesus is outlined in both Matthew 4 and Luke 4. And throughout this episode, I'm going to use those interchangeably. The stories are pretty much identical, but the account, the account ends a little bit differently. But as I said, we're going to use them interchangeably. Matthew 4, Luke 4 is where we're going to be for this episode. But... The enemy, as we're going to see, and the Bible says that he was hungry and tired, all of that, like, it's kind of like, oh, duh, that's what happens when you fast and that's what happens when you go out into the wilderness, right? But it shows weakness here, okay? And the first thing the enemy does if, in, in Luke 4, I mean, in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the first thing that he does is food, He tempts Jesus with food first. And we see that. The enemy told Jesus to turn stone into bread. He probably talked to Jesus like this. Hey, Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights is a long time to go without food. I bet you're hungry. I bet you could use a nice piece of bread with butter. It's better at that table over there. This, this, this bread and butter is good at the table with the good shepherd. But, you know, if you go over to this table over there, like if you come over to the table with me and you sit down at my table, we'll have some bread. Look, even these stones look like bread. Why don't you turn those into loaves of bread and we can come sit down at the table. I bet it would be good. But Jesus refused and he quoted scripture and he said, people do not live by bread alone. The enemy comes in our weakness. He goes right for our weakest point. He did it to Jesus. He did it to Eve. And it's what he does to us. He attacks our weakness. When the enemy wants us to fail, he attacks the area. He knows we will cave easiest. Whatever it is. Whether it's what we think of ourselves, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's porn, whether it's anything else that causes us to fall apart. The devil hits us with it when we're weak, when things aren't going right, when things don't make sense and when things don't add up and all of that. And the devil swoops in and that's the first point he hits is the point that we're weak in the 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 situation with Jesus food hey come on make these stones in their bread Eve hey you don't know a lot that's because God is keeping it from you so how about you just eat this from the tree hey you feeling a little bit lonely you're feeling a little bit by yourself why well, why don't you get off the computer that's hopes you have been the past or hey those people didn't really treat you very fairly did they how about you you just kind of why don't you go to the bar again? All of these things, the de- the enemy uses. He uses them to try and get us to mess up. To try to get us away from the table with the Good Shepherd. To try and get us out by ourselves. So we can be tempted to do the things that he knows aren't going to help us. The enemy gets our attention lures us in, and before we know it, we're in trouble. It's important to remember the scripture that Jesus quoted. It says, also, the men do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We need to keep focused on the good shepherd and the words he tells us at the table, at his table, the table with us, the table for us, the table he's made for us. The table he's made to be with us. Because that's what Jesus says. We don't need to live with that stuff, but by every word that comes from God. Every word that comes from the Good Shepherd. Then the enemy tempted Jesus with stuff. He took Jesus up to the highest place so he could see everything, and the enemy told Jesus, this could all be yours if you just worship me. But Jesus once again quoted Scripture and told the enemy that God is the only one to worship. The same thing he does to us. He tries to get us off the things that we think are better at a different table. The lie of comparison, like we talked about last week. He would also tell us like Jesus, that if we do certain things or act a certain way, we will get what we want. This is a lie. Jesus had the right answer. We need to be at the table with the good shepherd. That's what happened, the stuff. That's what got Eve, hey, you'll be just like God. Then you'll know stuff. You'll have more stuff. There's things that are being kept away if you just take a bite from this apple. In a sense, if you just worship what I'm saying. Like, if you if you just come over here to the side with me, if you worship me. And that's what he's trying to do to Jesus. Hey, come over to my side a little bit. I've got all this stuff over here, too. It's probably far better than what's at that table. And then he last tested him. He last told Jesus to test God. Kind of... The same thing with Eve, and we'll get to that in just a second. The enemy took Jesus to the highest point and told him to jump. Jump off. Then he quotes scripture to Jesus, because Jesus had been quoting scripture all this time. Then he says, he will order his angels to protect you and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And that's Psalm 91, 11, and 12. But Jesus told the enemy to get out of here. And then he quoted scripture again by telling the enemy to not test the Lord. And all of these scriptures that Jesus references will be in the description of this episode. But they're all quoted from Deuteronomy. And the enemy does the same to us as well. He tries to get us away from the table and to take a flying leap into something he knows isn't going to help us at all. That's what he did to Eve. As I said, hey, test God. Take a bite from that tree. He told you not to, but he's just trying to keep stuff from you. Go ahead, do it. Do it. Take a bite. Test God. See if he really will. See if you really will die. See if you really will. Come on. Test him. And he does. And she does. She took a flying leap, but the enemy knew it wasn't going to help him. Help them, sorry. He knew it wasn't going to. He knew that that was just going to get them into trouble. He wants us to get away from the table, and that's what he's doing to Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus away from the table. It's hard to believe that you would think that Jesus would have a spot at the table with the good shepherd, but in this case, he does. He's a human being. He's got a spot with God, too, and the enemy is trying to take him away from that. But just like Jesus did, we can tell the enemy to get out of here. We can tell the enemy to get lost because we are at the table with the good shepherd. But we have to stay at the table with the good shepherd. But this wasn't the end of the enemy's attacks on Jesus. And it's never the end on us. He doesn't just, oh, well, you got the better of me this time. Okay, we'll move on. In Luke's account of this temptation, this is where I say it kind of ends different. Um, In Matthew, it says the angels came and tended to Jesus. But in this one, in Luke 4.13, it says when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him, and here, catch this, until the next opportunity came. And there were other opportunities. You know, we, we count this one and then we kind of just kind of go through, but the devil tempted Jesus elsewhere. I think he tempted Jesus to fly off the handle at the Pharisees. I know he tempted Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane because Jesus was in such anxiety, such anxious place and such anxiety that he was sweating drops of blood. And I believe he was being hit hard by the devil. Don't do this. You don't have to do this. There has to be some other way. Try and get out of it. Come on. And it's real. The enemy doesn't give up that easy. The enemy was trying to check out the chief commander when he was tempting Jesus. He was trying to get Jesus to mess up so he couldn't be that sacrifice. He that he couldn't be what he needed to be for us. He was trying to take us out by taking Jesus out. And since he couldn't take Jesus out, he he went back to taking us out. He's trying to take us out. He doesn't give up that easy. If he didn't give up on attacking Jesus, he's not going to give up on attacking us either. It's an ongoing battle to keep our seat at the table, but we fight it by keeping our attention on the good shepherd as Jesus did. Knowing what the Bible says about us, knowing what the Bible says about God, knowing what the Bible says about the enemy is vital to helping us keep our seat at the table. We need to hang on to every word that the good shepherd has for us. We need to keep focused on the good shepherd as Jesus did, no matter how the lure looks. The lure the enemy is using doesn't lead anywhere good because it leads us away from the table with the good shepherd. Stay focused on the good shepherd. Stay focused. Sit at that table. Let the noise happen. But stay focused on the good shepherd and what he has for us. Because as Deuteronomy 30, 20 says, he is our life. We need to hang on his every word. We need to have his complete focus on him. We need to be where he is at the table because he is our life. That is so powerful to hear. He is our life. That takes a whole new meaning to me. I've heard that verse before. But it takes a whole new meaning to me as this surrounding this table that the that he has prepared for us in the presence of our enemies, and that his rod and his staff comfort us as we go through the valleys, and that he wants us to rest and lie down in green pastures. All of that leads to the full, abundant life that John 10.10 describes. But it also goes back to this verse in Deuteronomy 30, verse 20, where he says that he is our life. There's life at the table with the good shepherd. We need to remain focused on the good shepherd. Jesus knew that there was life in what God had said. And that there was life in him being the sacrifice for us. So take that with you today. Stay focused on the good shepherd. Hang on his every word for he is your life.